Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. And welcome to the show today. Uh, Tonight we'll be speaking to uh, Will Teach, a uh, head at uh, Brookvale Learning Campus about uh, supporting literacy, a senior leader's role. Should be an exciting evening. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And good evening and welcome to this episode of Teachers Talk Radio with your host, me, Sean Mackay, and waiting for you here, uh, talking today to Will Tees, uh, the headmaster from Brookvale um, Groovy Learning Campus. Uh, we're just waiting for um, Will to come into us, so we're just waiting for him. Uh, I don't know about you, but we've had an absolutely exhausting week this week trying to get everything in. It always seems to be really tiring the first week back after kind of half term everything's up in the air and everything's kind of working itself back into that routine um but tonight what we're going to do is we'll be going to be talking to Will Tees about how a um a, a senior leader can support literacy um and hopefully at some point uh, he will be able to get onto here um but uh, if not, we'll just have to carry on as much as we can. Um, so what we're going to look at, um, hopefully, when he comes in, is how a senior leader can actually um, be someone that can increase literacy and can make people, um, can make literacy much better. Because I always think that having someone who is um the, the having your head on side and making sure that um that literacy is absolutely um part of slt's agenda and always is a good idea to try to make sure that um the um the the literacy in your school is always something which is top of the list of priorities in everyone's mind I mean, learning, having people learn how to to read and making sure that they can use that reading process to try to make sure that um, that 
people can access the curriculum is something that every senior leader should be doing. Uh, so hopefully um, at some point um, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to get on. I think it's having a bit of trouble at the moment, but we'll carry on anyway. Um, so, so far what we've had on uh, the Literacy Hour is we've talked to plenty of people um, in terms of um, who... Uh, about reading uh, across the curriculum. We've looked at how to build a reading culture. We've looked at how to make libraries um, a place of learning. We've tried to uh, look at how we can make readers and reluctant readers um, something that we can do. So there is lots of different things that we've looked at over the course of the last few weeks. Um, and hopefully tonight that this will be an addition to kind of that um that particular aspect of, of literacy. Um, now I'm hoping over the next course of the next few weeks that, um, because we focused quite a lot over the last um, couple of weeks on reading. Uh, so what I'm hoping that I'm going to do over the next couple of weeks is try to also look at the, the other dan uh, strands of literacy. So trying to make sure that we've got um, oracy and how oracy can be something which is um, kind of um, part and part of that whole literacy package that a school is giving out uh, but also something which we can do is also with writing now obviously writing um, lends itself very well to reading because um, reading itself um, is something that um, is something that is absolutely vital to literacy. Um, and then hopefully over the course of next weeks, we'll have them all in. So hopefully um, now uh, Will is with us. Will, are you there? I'm here, I think, Sean. Yes, I think you are. That's brilliant. I can hear you. Fantastic. So um, welcome to the show and thank you ever so much for um, agreeing to come on here. I know it's a really, it's late at night on the first week back after half term. So it really is a tough week for you to come in. Um, so again, thank you so much for coming in. Um, so let's start by just asking you a little bit about yourself. Can you tell us about yourself and about your context? Yeah, so I mean, I've, uh, I've been teaching for 25 years now. Uh, I'm a history teacher by trade. I studied law and history at university. Uh, I grew up in Nottinghamshire, but then moved over to the Middle East and grew up in the, in the UAE. Uh, I think yep. I've worked in now wow. several schools. So started in Nottingham, a school called Henry Mellish, moved down to Southampton, came back to yeah. uh, Derby, and then recently I've been ahead in Lincoln, and now I'm head teacher at Brookville Grooby in Leicestershire. Wow, that's a hell of a career. Um, so you said you grew up in, in, in UAE. Um, yeah. uh, wow, that's that's a, a far away from, from where we are at the moment. <laughs> um, is, yeah. So... Uh, what was it? Is it different? Well, obviously it's going to be different over there, but in terms of, I don't know whether you were old enough over there to, to go to school over there. Can you remember your schooling? Was it any different to what we've got over here? Well, I mean, I mean, I, it was predominantly my primary years and I came back in probably yeah. what would be year, year eight now in secondary. Mm -hmm. So went to school, but I also missed a decent chunk of school as well in my primary years uh, yeah. because of just the way it worked out. Um, okay. I remember it. It was a great time, great experience. Uh, my dad was a telecoms engineer, so he was installing all the infrastructure. Oh, same here. <laughs> when there's about three hotels in Dubai, and now it's vastly different. But yeah, it was it was great. Okay, cool, brilliant. So again, thank you for coming on to the show. So uh, the 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 kind of second question I've got for you then um, is. Are you a big reader? Because obviously reading is something which is really important to literacy. And as a headmaster, are you a big reader? So I'm a, I'm a much bigger reader now than I ever was. So I think yeah. if, if I'm honest with you, reading wasn't a big part of my youth. Uh, I was a child of the 80s. There were lots of amazing films. TV was out. I was a big yeah. skateboarder. So uh, <laughs> read, reading didn't really feature for me. Um, yeah. Family, you know, they encouraged me to work hard at school, but they weren't big readers either. Uh, my, my dad was a really practical person, and I think I followed in his footsteps. So yep. Haynes, Haynes manuals and things like that, I'm very okay with. Uh, yeah. Books, I mean, at school, I love books. Things like Danny the Champion of the World, Royal Dahl books. There's lots of books that were read to us that I really enjoyed. Yeah. But it, wouldn't, it wasn't something I naturally did. But obviously, going to university, I started to read a lot more. Mm -hmm. uh, and and then moving into education again read more i think it's probably really only in my 30s and 40s 
I yeah. kind of probably felt a little bit inferior in that regard <laughs> and, and, and yeah. started to read an awful lot more. So I've made up for it in probably the last 15 or so years and read significantly more than I've read in the previous years. So I'm a, I'm a big reader now, uh, but I wasn't yeah. in, my, in younger days. Yeah, I suppose if you think about it, back in the 80s, some of the um, programmes that were coming out in the 80s were some of the television programmes, some of the films were absolutely brilliant. So I can understand why, by being a child of the 80s, you kind of much more into films than you were into into reading. Um, it was kind of the, the same as me. I have the same sort of thing coming up in the 80s. Um, certainly absolutely loved some of those, uh, the Goonies and all of those sorts of ones. But I also... favourite film. <laughs> yeah, it's mine actually as well. Um, yeah. um, uh, and it was also, but I also remember, and I can't remember whether this is the 70s or the 80s, but I remember reading Dune before it came out, um, or it was after it came out, but before I watched it. And I remember being massively disappointed in the film, but then yeah. the new version came out just recently and I was equally disappointed. So, um, you know, hopefully um, the second one will be better. Right. So, um, you talked and said that you really like Roald Dahl books. Did you have a favourite, particular favourite Roald Dahl book that you can remember from when you were from when you were young? Yeah, I mean, Danny Champion the World, I think, was probably my favourite <laughs> of all of them. Yeah, uh, the ones that we read. You know, we read James and the Giant Peach. We obviously read uh, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, uh, yeah. The Witches. So th there were lots of those that we read. But yeah, Danny the Champion the World is one that st stands out really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think if if I remember, I mean, I'm trying to remember now whether the Jeremy Irons film of Danny Champion of the World was actually a 1970s film or an early 1980s. But I know I remember that I really liked that film as well as that one. But yes, Danny Champion of the World, absolutely fabulous. Um, for me, it was the twits. I think I always just imagined these people kind of the, the both of the twits becoming really nice people and then growing as they gradually become worse and worse people. They get uglier and uglier. And I just remember looking at some of my my teachers wondering why they were the, as ugly as they were but that's just as a child um so you kind of get all that imagination and coming through with that one um so what sort of stuff do you read now then what sort of books are you are you kind of because you said that back in now in your 30s and 40s you're a much bigger reader what sort of stuff do you read now I think obviously as you progress through different leadership roles you become exposed yeah. to different elements of school culture so you know I've led, read about all aspects of school, so be that behaviour, be it curriculum, be it metacognition, cognitive science. Uh, I think leadership is an area that I've really invested a lot of time reading different books. And yeah. over time, I've also I've always been because I'm a humanities teacher by trade, interested in people. Yeah. So biographies and autobiographies are also things that I've read. Uh, but yeah, certainly leadership books and how to become a better leader are, are certainly books that I've spent a lot of time reading. <laughs> Okay, fabulous. Right then, so um, on to the next question then. So going coming back to literacy then, um, how important then do you think um, as a whole that literacy is to a school as a senior leader? I mean, it's hugely important, isn't it? I mean, ultimately at the moment we've got an examination system where children are assessed on their ability to write written responses to questions that are posed. And if they're not able to read those questions, interpret those questions in a meaningful way and the way in which the exam board expects, that they fall foul yeah. of that, they lose grades, they drop marks. So from an outcomes point of view, and I'm a big believer that outcomes open the door to people's futures, so the better their outcomes, the better their life chances. So yeah. it's hugely important in that regard. And obviously, mm -hmm. you've got the, the bigger issues as well, that cultural capital, the ideas that it exposes yeah. to them, the vocabulary. Uh, and trying to create that love of reading as well. Uh, I think that's really important within schools. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I mean, it's one of the things that you try to, that as, as a literacy coordinator myself, you try to bring across to the rest of the um, departments how important reading is because every single one of those um, departments have an exam and they will have to read the questions. They will have to think about the vocabulary. Can they understand it? So getting that vocabulary, understanding reading, I think, is something which every school should have. Um, so what sort of things do you think that they would is is the most important thing in terms of literacy um in terms of the things that you've talked about you said about how um that it's it's you should have some exam success because of literacy but as, as a school leader um literacy itself for you 
uh, you've said is is huge. Um, how um, let's go to that one. How important then, because literacy is so important, how important is that role of the literacy coordinator? So, I mean, we, we haven't got a literacy coordinator as such, and I think I prefer yeah. the term li leaders. I think you need someone in school yeah. to lead literacy. Mm -hmm. uh, it, yeah. It's got to be driven. There's got to be a clear vision there. There's got to be a sense of what is wanting to be achieved, what the desired outcomes are, and how that's going yeah. to be implemented across the school. So within my current setting, uh, that's attached to a member of SLT, and they then work yeah. very closely with members of the English department, and we've got a fab English department, and then also with members of the library, and also mm -hmm. the SEN department, and then across all faculties as well. So we, we've made, for the last few years, a senior aspect of responsibility. Uh, because it has to have that importance. And then it's always been part of our KIP for the last couple of years. That's our campus improvement plan. So really yeah. featured very heavily in that for the last three years. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the same thing that I did when I first got the role, I realized um, that, but then this is the one thing I'll come back to in a second is the fact that lots of departments always believe that it's an English thing, that literacy is something which um, is an English focus. I also found out that, um, lots of children, as soon as you mentioned literacy, um, began to think that this was something which was a primary school thing, uh, because literacy and reading is all about kind of the literacy is always talked about in primary school. So as soon as you said that this was literacy in a classroom, suddenly every single child was turned off. So the first thing I did was changed my title um to curriculum access lead because essentially that's what i'm doing i'm trying to get the kids to be able to access the kind of curriculum um so coming back to what you've said do you think that um linking literacy to the english department may um maybe um, allow other departments to think that it's only to do with English and that literacy isn't to do with them. And if not, how have you managed to kind of uh, stop that from happening? I think there's there's a danger to that. I think there is. But I think naturally you're drawn towards the English department because they've got the expertise within literacy. Yeah. Probably, probably above and beyond some other departments. But that's not to say that's always the case. We've got mm. a really exceptional modern foreign languages department where literacy features heavily as well. They're very okay with phonics and mm -hmm. delivery of phonics so they've got a lot to offer there as well uh, yeah but i think it's a little bit like you know the notion of send that everyone's a teacher of send i think we've yeah. it from the point of view that everyone's a teacher of literacy and therefore really yeah. needs to be important across all subject areas and there's an expectation that they make that an important uh, part of their kip as well uh, within all subject areas yeah and, and how do how do you, how is that monitored um, I know that um, one of my roles is to make sure that um, literacy amongst the departments is written into their uh, department plans. Um, and I then go back to the head. Is that the, the same sort of thing that you do as a senior leader? To an extent. I mean, again, the, the school that I've joined has quite a strong history of looking at knowledge and knowledge organisers. So with yep. all the knowledge organisers, there's key vocabulary, be that tier two or tier three vocabulary. That's yep. planned into their curriculum, so they're thinking about what vocabulary the students are going to need, when it's going to be appropriate to address that. They're taught mm -hmm. that explicit vocabulary, and that's in every scheme of learning and every knowledge organiser for all the different topics. So you can monitor it from that point of view. And then we've also, obviously, within our, you know, we, we call them developmental drop-ins, where we go into lessons. Yeah. You can see whether that's being delivered. Students have got uh, the knowledge organisers within their books, and we also have these things called personalised learning checklists. That are right, okay. Key, vo key vocabulary on as well. So there's different ways that you can check that it's taking place across the whole school within different subject areas and within faculties, and then yeah. it is also within those planning documents as well. So that there's clear evidence that it's it has to be part of all areas. And yeah. Alongside that, we've also requested that all subject areas create their own reading canons. So oh, okay. if, I want to, if I want to be an exceptional scientist, what books should I be reading to become an exceptional scientist? If I want to be an, oh, amazing okay. yeah. an amazing geographer, what books might I be reading in geography to broaden my understanding of that area, to deepen my understanding of that subject and to just develop that wider ability? Okay, fabulous. Right. So we'll come back in a second. Um, just going to go um, and have a quick... Uh, word uh, uh, with a break and we'll be back in a couple of seconds.
In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly and access actionable data that drives student success. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Okay, and we're back again. So, uh, for those of you that are just joining us, we're here today with Will Teese, who is the headmaster at Brookvale Grebe Learning Community. Uh, we're talking about how literacy can be helped with senior leaders. Um, so, we just finished off, uh, Will, talking about how... Um, uh, a literacy coordinator and what you do and how things are kind of um, placed into uh, departments and how departments are held kind of accountable by the senior leadership team. Um, so the next thing then is in, in what ways um, can a senior leader kind of and a leadership team support um, literacy in school? I mean, as I said, I know that you said that it's you've it's geared towards the English department because of their expertise but as, as a whole school how can a senior leader support literacy in school so so one of the things that we've done is is, is part of our campus improvement plan so it's on our development plan and therefore the mm -hmm. expectation is that every subject area every member of staff contributes towards developing literacy within their subject areas so yeah. that, that focus on vocabulary we just were talking about is key mm -hmm. that development of those reading canons within subject areas is also important yeah. We've also tried to develop that reading culture across our campus and, and model that ourselves. So within SLT, we have a regular book that we read. We've developed a, a staff reading club where there's a book chosen. Staff will come together. They'll talk about that book. They'll share okay. their understanding of it. We've got a staff CPD canon now as well, a mm -hmm. staff CPD library. So we've tried to really raise the profile of learning across the campus but also model what we want from the younger people by the models uh, by the adults showing that within the school as well okay that's absolutely brilliant um i really love the stuff kind of book club i think it was that you said uh, what sort of things would, would the staff read is it is it just going to be a fiction book is it a book that you've recommended is or is it just kind of something which this this staff book club is uh, just they just pick a random book how, how does that work so there's a there's a member of staff who who leads that book club and i think you know that's been going now for two years and a lot of the books have been educational texts and been yep. based around pedagogy be it around mm -hmm. behaviors someone like sam strickland for example or tom bennett or paul dick so on a behavior side uh when it comes to curriculum people like mary meyer or christine council so they've yeah. looked at those books they've kind of talked about the ideas that have come through from there and they've also chosen some of the, the leadership books. So, you know, Turn the Ship Around by David Marquette. They've looked at that and mm -hmm. talked about how that might then transfer into their leadership roles, what they might take from that. So there's been a variety of different texts that have been looked at. Uh, another one, yeah. Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Uh, mm -hmm. Staff have read that. So yeah. and I think it's just trying to get that discourse dialogue going amongst staff, talking about different ideas educationally and how we yeah. can take some of that, those ideas from those books put them into practice within our school okay that's that yeah that's brilliant i mean uh, certainly having a kind of a staff book library and a staff book club is something that certainly i'll 
look at it sounds a really good idea and something i think that is good for most schools if you can get staff reading and understand the benefits of reading then hopefully that will transfer into modeling that same sort of thing for the students um so my next question then is is as as a headmaster um how important do you think reading is um and maybe how have you have kind of you and your leadership team worked with the staff i mean apart from obviously you've talked about uh the staff book library and the book club um but how have you worked with the staff um in your school to prioritize reading so i mean we've, we've mentioned some of the key things i think they, they are yeah. the key big drivers so it being on the campus improvement plan has been has been really critical in yeah one of, in, in the time that i've been there obviously the pandemic got in the way somewhat but yeah. I'm always really keen to try and get whole school reading uh, launched across the campus. Uh, and we managed to do that last year. So I know this is nothing new. It's what some, lots of the schools across the country are now doing as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but you yep. know, we're, we're still relative early adopters of that. So every day now, students are reading across the campus every morning yeah. across all year groups. Uh, and that's been a really significant change across our campus. Uh, and it, yeah. it's a brilliant thing to see in the morning when you walk around school students are sat with a book in front of them following mm -hmm. a staff read being exposed to all sorts of different texts and books uh and the feedback has been you know hugely positive from both staff and students around that approach yeah i mean certainly i mean obviously i've i've been to brookvale group and i thought it was an absolutely amazing school and one of the things that i noticed um as a leadership team that you've spent um a lot of money kind of getting things into place um in to make sure that you know things are there such as um you've you've gone you've you've bought the books obviously for the staff book club um you've bought but loads of books that go into your library um but also the the kind of the vinyl displays that you've got up i think are really um visually eye-catching do you think that is something um how did you sorry how did you come up with with kind of having those vinyls up there because i know they're quite expensive but they look phenomenal yeah and, and again I'm, I'm a firm believer that the environment's really important to a school you know you've got to look after your environment you've got to show that you care about the environment because i think that then conveys to the students so yeah. we've spent a lot of time on our campus improving it over the last three years across a whole range of different areas uh, and one mm -hmm. of the things again that you, you may or might not know and other people won't know is it was essentially two schools co-located that joined together in 2019. So right, okay. had separate identities. They had separate kind of insignia, logos. Mm -hmm. So part of it was out of necessity. Part of it was about that merger. But when I arrived, there were still legacy elements of the old two schools. So I really wanted to bring together with one cohesive identity. And yeah. being that reading, reading was going to be important, I wanted to make sure that reading featured within there. And I think, I mean, I don't know whether you saw this, but... The English department spent a huge amount of time looking at their reading canon, thinking yeah. about all the books that they wish their students would be exposed to and directing them to other texts that they think they should have read or could mm -hmm. read. Uh, and they spent a lot of time on that was the first final. And then we wrapped the library as well, uh, just to really showcase this is a place where the books are. And we want people to come and to read. And then around the school in areas like business, computer science and IT, they've showcased some of the most important books within their area. And the same in science as well so we want to make reading feature across the whole campus but at the same time bringing the identity of the campus together as one so we have spent money uh yeah and that, that needs to be done because of that merger but also i wanted reading to be part of that yeah i mean certainly i, I did see the, the the department of reading areas um we i think we only went to english and we only saw that um but obviously the one that was up on the wall was absolutely amazing loads of links to loads of different books and how each book links to the other book and there was writing and it, it was visually really impressive um and the other good thing i suppose with the english department is because it was right next to the library and so therefore the library also had this huge great big display with books um and titles of books uh, certainly that looked like some good cultural capital books in there as well which had been picked more than likely I'm, I'm presuming specifically those titles to link to those sorts of things um in the school but i thought they're absolutely brilliant in fact i think i had a word with your um uh, the person who actually bought them to find out how much they were so they your school is now gonna kind of let me know how much they cost because we're going to try and look to do some of ours as well because they were so absolutely brilliant 
Um, so yes, Again, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's credit to the head of English. She, she spent an all huge amount of time researching, yeah. developing that, working with the marketing lead to get the visuals to make it look as good as it did. And they do look amazing. But that's the work of that team. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, moving on this so the next thing then. Um, so we've looked then at how important reading is and we've looked at how your senior leadership team has supported literacy so now those literacy things are set up and uh, you've got the English department working with the senior leaders to try and to get these initiatives started so how have um, your leadership team kind of helped to sustain those literacy initiatives to, to keep them going that the school has implemented so from a curriculum point of view, we've obviously put time aside on the curriculum. So every day there is that time dedicated to reading. Uh, yeah. And as a leadership team, we go around, we monitor that, we make sure it's happening, taking place in the way in which it's meant to. And mm -hmm. uh, it's happening across the campus. We've obviously put staffing attached to that as well. Uh, as you've alluded to, there's been a lot of yeah. funding as well. So we, we've contributed a significant portion of our, our capital towards that. And it has been uh, quite costly, but I think it's, it's money well spent. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's an important part across all of school, not just within English. And we talk about that within faculty leader meetings. When we have whole yeah. meetings, we're trying to promote reading all the time across our campus. So that, that's what the leadership team are doing. And again, we have an assistant head teacher who's responsible for that, drives on it, leads on it, and then links with those other teams as well. Yeah. I mean, you, you talked about uh, the time that you're given for reading and the stuff that you're doing uh, within the tutor periods that have got. Um, can you explain a little bit more about that? So, again, I think I went to a conference, it was quite some time ago, and they were talking about reading speed, reading fluency, and the amount of time that students can potentially buy themselves within an, an examination to think, to respond, if their reading yep. speed was at the appropriate chronological age and how for a number of students that simply wasn't the case. So they didn't have that thinking time, they didn't have that writing time, and they were already at a disadvantage. And then alongside yeah. that, they've done an analysis of the, the kind of the word level ability, the number of words, uh, and the demands of different papers, and how stark that was, and how impossible it would be for some of our students to access that. So before yeah. we even move into examinations, if their reading isn't at the right level, chronologically, they haven't got the, the correct reading speed, they're going into examinations at a disadvantage. And I think that was something that was really stark and, and st stuck with me. And it was just an obvious thing to try and address that if we can support children with their reading, then their yep. outcomes are going to improve. And then if their outcomes improve, their life chances improve. And, the, you know, there's that correlation with the disadvantage gap as well. Mm -hmm. We've got a disadvantage yep. gap. We need to close that disadvantage gap. So focusing on those students as well was going to be really important for us alongside that development of cultural capital, exposure to vocabulary, which is sometimes weak, and that loss of marks sometimes, you know, simple things like command words being misinterpreted yeah. or, or yeah. not knowing your tier three vocabulary because you haven't been exposed to it, it's not been taught explicitly. Mm -hmm. Mark, marks were often being thrown away through things that could be relatively easily tackled with, you know, a, a coherent and strategic approach to it across a campus. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of the things that, you know, what we've tried to do at our school as well, try to get time for reading so that that vocabulary can be enhanced so that every single child has a, the, a no a less chance of misinterpreting words on exam papers and it but it's also i think it goes beyond exam papers because if their vocabulary is expanded then anything that a teacher says within the class they're going to understand because sometimes yeah. with those low ability readers um even just communicating to the to the um to the students in front of you as a staff member you may be giving them words that they don't understand. And so therefore, again, it creates that sense of them not understanding what they've got to do, not understanding the work that they're being done. And so it, it forces them to fall, to fall behind even further because they feel equally as um, away from the learning because of the vocabulary being orally spoken as well as the PowerPoints on there, any textbooks that's in front of them. So yeah, I absolutely agree with that. You know, building that through time and effort is something that, that I think schools definitely need to do. Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to go um, to the news um, the, um, and hopefully then we'll come back in about six minutes um, and then we'll be talking again to Will about senior leader's role in literacy.
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The Guardian reports on AQA plans to have pupils complete parts of some exams digitally in 2026. The announcement from England's biggest exam board means exams could begin to look very different as it says it will begin testing GCSE students on laptops for a small number of courses from next year. Parts of GCSE Italian and GCSE Polish by 2026 with other subjects, potentially English, likely to be included by 2030. The exam board said technology and change are two constants in education and that moving to digital exams is the next step. According to the Guardian report, pupils will still be supervised in an exam room and will be offline, so they will not be able to access search engines or artificial intelligence tools. Some head teachers have welcomed the move, with Askell describing it as encouraging, as reliance on pen and paper was outdated, but others have been less convinced. Melissa Pruntig, chair of the National Handwriting Association, made the link between handwriting, reading and spelling particularly at ages between four and six. She also said that the key to writing, either by hand or typing, was speed and fluency, and pointed out that it's not something that you can just roll out and think it's inclusive. You have to teach typing and it needs practice. Since the announcement, professionals and researchers, as well as teachers, have continued the debate on social media. Secondary school performance data for England has been in the headlines with the TES magazine presenting analysis of the results after a three-year pandemic hiatus. The article highlights a variety of trends and points to consider, but also warns against making basic comparisons between schools as many face ongoing disruptions post-COVID. The key points include a widening of the disadvantage gap, now at its widest since 2011. Unions, school leaders and educational researchers all expressed dismay at this, and called on government and prospective governments to make this a core focus moving forward. EBAC entries have stagnated in the latest figures. The Department for Education has set a target of students entering the EBAC subjects at 75% for 2024 and 90% in 2027. The new data shows that current figures are at 39.3%, with languages continuing to be the main stumbling block. Regional differences also remain. The North East has the lowest average Progress 8 score and Outer London has the highest. This North-South gap has increased since the pandemic. However, some more detailed analysis of like-for-like schools in the North and South suggests comparable outcomes when other factors such as prior attainment are taken into consideration. There was a difference in progress for boys and girls, with girls achieving an average of one-tenth of a grade more than expected. Attainment 8 also dropped as a result of Ofqual's approach to returning exams to normal following COVID. Full details of the TES analysis can be found online. The Guardian also carried a report on changes to how poor behaviour will be responded to in the state of California in the United States. At least 25 states and the District of Columbia allow schools to suspend pupils for willful defiance. But California has become the first state to ban such suspensions for all students. The definition of willful defiance has been criticised by US education researchers as being overly broad. And they have also made links to the use of suspensions being disproportionate in some ethnic groups. The article prompted debate on X, formerly known as Twitter, amongst many in education, although the impact of California's discussions and decisions will only be revealed over time. Finally, the BBC reports that blue shirts and chinos have been banned by Cardiff University Students' Union due to dangerous behaviour from some students. Any people wearing the outfit, typically associated with some sports clubs, will be refused entry to its Wednesday night club night. The Student Union has said the measure is temporary and in response to the behaviour of some male students earlier this month. Since the ban, a marked improvement in behaviour has been seen. The ban does not apply to any buildings other than the Students' Union, which acts independently of the university. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. 
Right, and welcome back uh, to Teachers Talk Radio uh, with me, Sean Mackay, and Will Teese from Brookvale Learning Campus. So welcome back, uh, Will. So thank you very much for being with us again tonight. So moving on uh, from uh, sustaining literacy initiatives on to um, the school library. Um, so as a senior leader, how important do you think a school library is um, and how have you as a headmaster kind of supported the library to be that kind of important place within a school? Uh, again, we're really fortunate to have a really large library and we've got two librarians who are fantastic. Uh, they're really passionate about books, really passionate about trying to encourage reading. Students will go in there break times, lunch times and throughout the day for different lessons. Uh, and mm -hmm. they promote readings, they get authors in to visit, they have guest texts, they do all sorts of promotional things to try and encourage reading. So I think if we're trying to encourage literacy across the school, libraries are hugely important. Having a, a huge stock of different books that you can point students to, to, to kind of spark their interest in different areas and topics, again, is critical. Yeah. Uh, and again, our librarians are really knowledgeable. They'll be able to talk to students about, well, you might like this book if you read this book, uh, and direct them to another text that might be of interest. So. I think they're really important and we're really fortunate to have a really well resourced, a large, really vibrant space uh, that's yeah. got two exceptional librarians in it as well. So just kind of as a as a, a an off the cuff thing, do you think, how important do you think a, a librarian is to the library? Do you think that a school library can run without a librarian or do you think they're massively important and something that schools should invest in? For me, I think they're someone really important that schools should invest in. Uh, again, yeah. they are those, those those people who know what libraries should look like, understand how libraries work, uh, all mm -hmm. those in terms of the stocks, the links with the library services, being able to get other people in and organise that and facilitate that, being able to support yeah. other subject areas with book boxes. I, I think they're hugely important. Yeah. And of course, you could perhaps get by without one, but I think you'd be doing your students a disservice and also your staff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of the things that I think is one of the most important aspects for school library without that expertise and that expert knowledge of not only the place within that school with all of the books that they've got, where to find them and what sort of books to recommend. I don't think that the library would be as good a place uh, for students, certainly as one that, that doesn't have one. Um, so, um, the next question is about kind of it's, it's something that um, um, I didn't really know about until I did some research about this. And also my wife mentioned it, which was I'm very thankful to her for this. Uh, but she says there is a sports premium which primary schools receive, which is kind of a, a bunch of money, which is specifically ring fenced to ensure that the number of children taking part in sport increases. Now, do you think as a head that there should be a similar kind of reading premium uh, that does the same thing for reading, kind of ring fenced money that is purely for for books and software and all that sort of stuff that would help um, increase the reading across school? Yeah, I think I mean, it sounds like a great idea, doesn't it? And I think with any yeah. typically any funding that comes from central government, there's often accountability with it, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think schools need more accountability right now, but if <laughs> yeah. ring, ring fence for reading to encourage reading, and promote reading in schools, I think that would always be a positive thing. Uh, we want mm -hmm. to encourage reading of whatever type and however that might be. Uh, and I guess I'm mindful sometimes of those initiatives where you're forcing students to read, read certain texts and how mm -hmm. sometimes that can be counterproductive. So yeah. I guess you, you perhaps need to be mindful of those strategies and how they're implemented, but I think any money that's going to help purchase books and help support reading within schools is going to be a positive thing if it's done in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thinking about the library and about um, um, the money that actually comes into it, um, how would you spend that money? So if you did have a ring fenced budget where you had um, X amount of money that you could spend um, in terms of to, to do anything to do with reading, um, how would you spend that money if it was there? I think I think it'd probably be split, if I'm honest, between the resources, so the books themselves, uh, and then yeah. it would be with, with support staff. Uh, schools are under immense pressure at the moment with support staff and finding support staff, recruiting yeah. and retaining mm -hmm. them. Uh, and in part, that's because of the salaries that they receive. They, they don't get paid what they should. 
they're not valued yeah. as much as they should be so i think in part i'd be looking at how we might be able to increase the the, the pay of the support staff so lso mm -hmm, yeah. is in the rooms that can do those reading interventions with young people sit and listen to them to read uh, and support mm -hmm. across the school because those people yeah. are critical when it comes to those kinds of interventions and supporting our mm -hmm. young people and at the moment it's becoming incredibly hard to get hold of those people so i'd probably look at that yeah absolutely i agree um would you think you would have part of that funding to maybe train up some of those lsas and and, and teaching assistants to be able to support students better in terms of their reading yeah and again we're, we're really fortunate we've got some really long-standing uh tas attached to different faculties and also lsas who are very skilled very knowledgeable they're equipped they already support students with their readings they run interventions they're in the libraries yeah. they're listening to students reading they, they've supported with things like accelerated reader in the past and star reader tests so mm -hmm. i think you know that upskilling other staff to be able to do that would be advantageous yeah yeah, brilliant. actually, that's moved me quite nicely on to the next question. Um, talking of, of reading assessment tools, um, such as uh, um, um, Accelerated Reader, um, does your school use a reading assessment tool? Um, and if you do, which one and how did you decide which one to choose? Because there are quite a few out there. There are, yeah. Uh, so we, we've just really undertaken a bit of a study in school and we had Accelerated yep. Reader and Star yep. Reader. We were also yeah. using GL assessments as part of kind of the NGRT, so getting the baseline assessment for their reading scores. So yeah. we've used those packages. And I think one of the things that we looked at was the impact. And we hadn't felt that the impact was there for Accelerated Reader for whatever reason. It could be a whole yeah. host of different reasons. But it was time to perhaps look at doing something different. So, again, one of the English team uh, has led on this with the assistant head teacher and looked at what might be out there and they came up with a proposal having researched all of the different options that were out there speaking to other schools so they did a body of work around what they felt might be an alternative to uh, accelerated reader put a proposal yeah. together costed it and mm -hmm. we've just moved towards reading plus and lexonic so yeah. it's it's only it's only in its early days we've only started it this term so what we mm -hmm. have seven weeks in so yeah. early signs are really positive. I think some of the frustrations that people had with Accelerated Reader, they've not had those same frustrations around, have we got the stock of books? Where are the stock of books? Can we move them around? Uh, because yeah. it's electronic. Uh, they've been able to do the tests very quickly. The administration of it's a lot quicker and easier. The analysis, analysis of it looks a lot stronger as well. So in terms of mm -hmm. workload, that's been reduced. And I think as well, from a student's point of view, some of the frustrations around sequencing of text that you can only read certain texts. There might be a, a series of books, but you can't read the next one because that's not part of the program. Uh, and I know that frustrated librarians at times. So, so far, we're finding that that package really, really positive. But it is in its early days. Time will tell to see if it's had the impact that we're hoping it will have. But yeah, we, we yeah. just move towards read, reading plus. So it, it's it's a really good idea to when you're if you're thinking of of kind of doing this for your school either as a as a senior leader or a um literacy coordinator whatever the title that they decide to call themselves um it's really good to do lots of research into the sorts of things and and not just kind of go with what maybe what other schools have got um but just to do a lots of research to talk to people to um go online to talk to the people that are involved in it so that you make a really well-informed decision so that it's good for your context, I think is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, every context different. Some schools might not have the library that we've just talked about, because I know there's certainly schools yeah. out there that have had to close them down to use the rooms or they're, they're not as big as ours. So you've got mm -hmm. those constraints. And again, with things like Reading Plus, it's reliant on having some uh, Chromebooks or laptops. Not every school yeah. is fortunate to have those either. So it's going to have to work in your setting. So we, we looked at all of those things. We looked at how much money we could afford, how it would work, how we might scale it up. We, uh, the, the, the person in charge of this, brilliant, exceptional person, they started with a small trial group across the faculty. They've upscaled yeah. it slowly over the course of this year. Uh, mm -hmm. So we've now got more people taking part in it than we had an accelerated reader, which was really our key, key driver that we didn't yeah. feel like we were capturing enough readers in accelerated reader. And we needed to impact on more students because of some of the impacts of the, the pandemic really where it was quite apparent that reading ages weren't where they needed to be 
Yeah. I mean, you, you said um, um, during that little bit that you just talked about the fact that you had to have laptops and you've got other things that you've done and you've had to kind of, um, when you talked about the time that you've given in terms of um, and the budget resources, do you think that, that kind of budget wise that schools should kind of speculate to accumulate in terms of, of reading and um, gadgets and buying books and that sort of stuff? Yeah. And again, you know, you, you could have a big philosophical argument, couldn't you, around the, the purpose of education. And one of yeah. those key purposes is for students to leave with qualifications, to be able to move on to successful lives and destinations and next steps. And in order to do that, they need success within examinations, whether we like that or not. Uh, yeah. And part of that is going to be reading, like you've said about, it's their ability to access the curriculum. If they can't access the curriculum purely because of their reading ability, then we're mm -hmm. doing them a disservice. So tackling reading to me is one of those it, you've got to do all you can reasonably do to make sure that students are in the strongest position possible and then alongside that you're also trying to encourage their love of reading expose them to different ideas to different texts yeah. vocabulary cultural capital uh, there are all the other things that come with that too but I'll, you know, I'll be honest my prime driver was around outcomes because i want students to have amazing life chances yeah and do you, so do you think that then that because I, I know that you've spent a lot of money in terms of reading in schools so do you think all schools should kind of um um give lots of, of money and budgets um of, of, to reading to buy things like into uh, an accelerated reader product into books um maybe talking to other schools and figuring out whether or not that you can swap books and that sort of stuff would would that be something that you think that that schools should do? I, I think I think that's a really hard question for most. I mean, you, you will be well aware that schools are facing incredible financial pressures at the moment. Yeah, uh, we we still don't know whether the the government are going to fund the pay rises that they promised they were going to pay. Schools right. Okay. Are already struggling. Schools are already struggling with spiraling costs through utility bills. Uh, so it, it's a pressure uh, situation at the moment financially for schools. And some schools simply haven't got the money. That That's the harsh reality yeah. of those schools. So they've got to be really prudent where they, they put those funds. Mm -hmm. There may be more pressing issues, but I think, you know, reading is going to be up there as one of the key yeah. areas you're going to want to invest in. So I think, yes, in short, but it's not always as easy as that for some schools in some contexts. Uh, I think, you know, you just mentioned there that notion of swapping and sharing text. So we know there's schools local to us and we've hosted some mm. reading hubs as well within our school. And we've been yeah. fortunate to buy sets of books from other schools at a minimal price, you know, a pound per text, which is mm -hmm. near what you'd have to be buying them online. And we'll be doing the same to other schools. We'll sell our books when we've reused them. And if we can do that and establish that over time, we can limit the costs as well. Uh, so I think there's things you can do to reduce the costs and the savings to be had. But financially, schools are really under pressure at the moment. And I think it, it'd be unfair to say, yes, they should, because they may not be mm -hmm. able to, but... I think it should be a priority, yes. Yes. Um, and certainly, I think if, if I remember correctly, Leicestershire, Leicester and Leicestershire are one of the, um, the very bottom of the kind of budget areas of the government, if, if, I'm, if I'm right on that. Um, so in terms then, coming back to the kind of something I talked about earlier, which was about supporting staff and certainly supporting uh, literacy within schools. Do you think that uh, senior leaders, um, and this is a whole senior leader team thing, it's obviously not just you as a head, do you think you should be very visible in supporting literacy as a whole school issue, not just English trying to get through I mean I know you've talked lots about um, how you've got all departments to incorporate literacy into it but is it important that you as senior leaders are very visibly supporting literacy as a whole school issue yeah I, th I think again if 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 anything is important in the school you have to shine a light on it you have to make it have a priority and you have to have your senior leadership team driving that don't you uh, so mm -hmm. yeah it, again yes i do think that's really important and i think there's lots of things that they can do typically all of our slt line managed subject areas so when they're yeah. lining managing them linking into those meetings they'll be looking at you know have you got the key vocabulary are you using the unlock strategies what's your reading mm -hmm. canon looking like what books could you be using are you familiar with these they'll be talking about books etc uh and 
that that again in some areas in our school is stronger than in other subject areas you know that's the truth yeah. behind it uh but that's certainly something that's grown over the last few years and some areas have really flown with it uh but that's that's really the work of the leadership team to make sure that across all of the school that within school variance minimizes really is that same priority across all areas and those strategies are being used in all areas uh yeah. within literacy we've also got written communication Mm -hmm. uh, is that as of high quality as it could be? Are books being presented? Are students writing uh, as, as well as they could do? Has there been that drop from key stage three that people typically have seen in the past? Are we yeah. challenging that? Are we interfacing with our primary partners in the best way possible and using their expertise? So I think leadership and, and leaders have got a huge part to play in this. Uh, and yeah. They link into all those subject areas to drive it. Okay, brilliant. Um, so, uh, one more question um, before I go on to my, my final question. It's just an off-the-cuff question. One of the things that I've noticed, um, and I don't know whether it's the same as you, when I came to Brookvale Gruby, I noticed there was a very calm atmosphere there. Um, yeah. and, and I said this um, to Joanne when I talked to her, and it, it it's kind of seems to me that where reading and literacy has become something which is a focal point of the school, behaviour tends to diminish because um, they are much calmer, they're much better. Do you, do you think that's true? Do you think that's right? Is that is that the same thing that's happened at, at Brookvale? I think I think it'd be difficult to kind of prove that causal link because for us, and yeah. again, in, in the time that I've been at the school, we've had a big drive on culture. And, and one mm -hmm. of the things that I've been really keen to do is look at routines, look at consistency, uh, and look at the culture within our campus. So we, we've done a lot to kind of look at our systems around behavior make sure there's no level low level disruption in lessons and that doesn't happen mm -hmm. staff are supportive with centralized behavioral systems and then also yeah. clear clear routines that are the same across the entire school and we've traveled a huge way there now, so students know what's expected at the start of the lesson at the end of the lesson how they move around the corridors how they should behave within mm -hmm. the classrooms the manners we expect of them, the kindness we expect of them, the respect that we expect of each other. Uh, so those things, we've spent a huge amount of time. So our wildly important goal for the last two years has been a culture of kindness and excellence. So yeah. I think that will have certainly had a part to play in the calmness that you'll observe. But I think, you know, like yeah. you said, rightly, that starting the day all reading together silently is a nice mm -hmm. calm way to get the day started students then move into their lessons uh, and there has been like i said lots of positive feedback around that too so i'd imagine yes it's contributed to it but i don't know if that's yeah. the only reason why that's the case yeah okay brilliant thank you so coming to then to my final question um and uh can you tell me then of all of the things that we've talked about tonight and all of the wonderful answers that you've given um what do you think if you were to give advice um to senior leads across uh, the country what are the three most important things that a head and the leadership team can do to support literacy in school i think you've you've got to make it a priority you've got yep. to shine a light on it you've got to make it a, an issue for all areas and you've also got to give you know the resources to that be it time be it money be it staff in order for it to have that impact and then also track the impact that it's having across your school to see if it's making a difference to the, the reading ages what students are capable of achieving mm -hmm. and hopefully in time their outcomes absolutely uh, that's brilliant so developing a strong reading culture providing that that time yeah. that you've given, especially I've seen with your school staff, the money to buy the resources, um, and then basically make sure that um, everything that you are expecting the students to do are being modelled by. And I think I'm, I'm saying what you're saying here is that the, that the teachers and the staff are modelling the stuff that they're doing in terms of reading. Um, brilliant. Okay, that's lovely. Um, well, thank you ever so much for coming through and talking to us um it's been uh, wonderful um no it was great i mean it was it was as i said when i i came there because obviously we came across to brookville at uh, gruby for a, a talk on literacy um through the thomas esley learning alliance and just hearing you talk and the, the passion with which you talked about literacy and reading um, made me think that, you know, you would be someone that would great to come here because then you can show us your expertise and your knowledge of how a senior leader can help support literacy within schools. And certainly um, from what you've talked about in terms 
live, the library that you've got and the librarians that you've got with there and how the fact that you have um, kind of embedded literacy throughout your leadership team to make sure that they're visible and to make sure that everyone knows that they are being supported and being um being part of that team all the way through to that that, that the tiny thing like the staff book club where the teachers get to also read and talk about books everything seems to be geared towards a reading culture and changing the culture of of your school to something where not only the staff and the students but everyone reads and i think that's absolutely brilliant so Thank you for coming on tonight and thank you for um, telling us about Brookdale and how you as a, a senior leader can to support. And hopefully that might inspire other heads to support literacy um, just as much as you have. So thank you ever so much again. And hopefully um, at some point in the future, I may ask you to come back and talk about other stuff, if that's OK. Um, but probably way back in the future. Maybe not as late, yo. No, yes, but thank you very much for joining us tonight. So, thank you very much for tonight. Thank you. Um, thank you again uh, for Will Tees for coming onto the show. Hopefully, uh, you enjoyed the show. Um, next week, or in a couple of weeks' time, we'll be hopefully looking at either oracy or writing um, in terms of literacy. And hopefully, we will see you then. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.